This is Voyager Time. What are you doing with that dog? Your constant harassment of the female gender makes me sick. I'm Andrew, and with me today is... Sarah. Ben. Nathan. Today we're talking about Voyager Season 3, Episode 11, The Q and the Grey. Now, normally I just read the synopsis from Wikipedia straight off. This one I punched up a little bit. See if you can figure out where. Q visits Voyager to proposition and stalk Janeway as Civil War breaks out in the Q continuum. Voyager has fired 18 of its 38 photon torpedoes. So you added the and stock. Um, so is, I feel like applauding after watching a supernova is the Starfleet version of applauding at the end of a movie. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Great job. Great job, Star. Good job, Star. You, you died. It, it had big end of Evangelion vibes where it's just, congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> yep, absolutely. That absolutely. I hated this episode. Well, yeah, I, I hated this episode and I realized just how much I hate Q. But, 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 but he called Neelix Barrodin. So yes. <laughs> he did do that. He has that going. He did that. That was a good moment. I don't think he referred to a single woman in this entire episode as a woman. They just kept using males and females and mating, which made me start to feel physically ill mm-hmm. by the end of it. It wasn't good. Yeah. It's just gross all around. I have chosen you to be the mother of my child. It was. Mm. Didn't take no for an answer. Great stuff. In fact, explicitly said it was going to be fun when she just straight up told him no. Good shit. As far as you're concerned, it might as well be impossible. A challenge. Fantastic. Fuck off. There was so much of that just like latent sexism throughout this entire episode. Yeah, I mean, this episode is sexist in a way that I think is just really boring and not even worth talking about. Yeah, honestly. There, I want to point pick out the little like moments that I did like. Mm-hmm. So bar is rodent a, is definitely one of them. Bar rodent. The one appearance from the doctor on the bridge, uh-huh. just to be <laughs> like, by the way, I can be on the bridge now. I have a mobile <laughs> emitter, and then he's like, but I'm going back to sick bay now. <laughs> look, look at what I can do. Real I'm leaving is. now. Yeah, <laughs> it's way more interesting there. And then I just really liked the part when. Chicote is in her office and he's like, what did you mean by he had a personal request? And she's like, mm-hmm. oh, he wants to All right. mate with me or however she said it. And he gets like, I know what? I'm not allowed to feel like I don't know. Now I have no right to feel like this, but that upsets me or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, OK, is he saying that because mm-hmm. of the actual like moral problems with it? Or is he saying that because of his feelings? Because of their romantic planet getaway weekend. (laughs) And then she puts her hand on his shoulder. Anyway. (laughs) I think he can have it both ways. I think he can feel personally and ethically offended by it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was a great moment, though, when then, like, it cuts to just a random Starfleet guy who whirls around and is suddenly Q, like, for no reason. I did enjoy that a little bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. There were like just fucking like some weird moments in the in the episode that I enjoyed, like Bolana telling off the lady Q, who was mm-hmm. just like being yeah. the most aggressive micromanager. I enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed. There was a set of weird dramatic close-ups. Uh, at yes, one point oh the too. zooms. Yes, mm-hmm. those were so good. I I have no idea why they did it. It did not fit with that nope. moment in my mind. But, like, it was the funniest thing to happen. I think they were trying to emulate some, like, old Western type of movie making in that moment. But they didn't do it anywhere else. But that was the only thing that was like that in the whole (laughs) thing. So it didn't really, it felt very jarring and was just Mm -hmm. like, what's, why? What are they doing? (laughs) And then I laughed really hard at the the Voyager crew showing up in Union uh, soldier (laughs) uniforms. Uh Mm -hmm. (laughs) that again out of fucking left field and just Mm -hmm. what a weird choice (laughs) um apparently sneaking is all it took because they did like three different sneaks (laughs) yeah the sneak to untie uh untie janeway and then the sneak up behind the other officer Uh it's like all you need to do is just sneak i guess yeah it's easy I would like to point out how incredibly fucking problematic it was to use the Civil War, the American Civil War in this context for this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, it was that was not good. I don't want to get into it beyond that. 
there's a lot to unpack there and i don't want to sidetrack the episode let's stop romanticizing the civil war like let's just stop doing that but you know it's bad um there was one bright spot in this episode would you like me to tell you about it sure is it the puppy it's not the puppy although that was a bright spot the puppy fucking great it was not (laughs) the baby actually before we get to the bright spot i do i was thinking if q could be a really interesting villain character if they if the writers in the show treated him a little bit differently because like the idea of a guy showing up who wants to have sex with you and will not take no for an answer is a really common occurrence for a lot of women and then being able to to experience that or to to, to explore that idea in sci-fi with an extra dimensional being that can literally appear anywhere at all and so like him not taking saying no is really a like a life-altering threat in a really like immediate way, but the show just wants to treat him as sort of like this charming, like roguish kind of guy instead of the like really terrifying, like omnipotent, horrible stalker guy that he is. And if they just if they like leaned into the horror of it a little bit more, I think he, he could be a really like a really scary villain. And it's kind of mm-hmm. a shame that they don't. Right, there's like every potential for a good character with what they what what the context of his character is outside of his personality and behavior yeah. like who who he is could have been interesting if they didn't make him literally just like every toxic dude <laughs> right yeah well and the difference is well he's different on next generation in a lot of ways like there's still some of this but since his most most of his interaction is with another man Mm-hmm. It's not uh, as prevalent, I guess. It's mm-hmm. equally sexual with Picard. <laughs> now no. that I would watch. <laughs> there, I mean, there is a part where he 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 wakes up in bed next to Q, and like that does happen, but it's mm-hmm. not even remotely as bad as this, obviously. But um, yeah. So what I'm really interested in seeing in the next season of Picard, because Q is coming back. Mm-hmm. is what a Q written in the year 2021 yeah. is mm. like by mm. for sure. writers who are, from all evidence <laughs> I've ever seen, progressive people who are not shitheads. So we'll see yeah. what that turns out to be like. People who might actually give Q the like respect and kind of like character that would be interesting that it could be yeah. beyond... Th- this bullshit. the lowest hanging fruit possible yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. okay i do have one good anecdote from this episode that i would like to share with you um okay and importantly it has nothing to do with the content of the episode itself so um uh, around this time there was the star trek magazine and i guess they had reporters who had access to the sets and that kind of thing <laughs> and um one of them was I guess he wanted to go interview the the cast or something like that. So he goes to the 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 sound stage where the bridge is set up. Uh, I guess in hopes to be able to talk to a crew or a, a cast member there. And he gets there, and on that day they are all out at Griffith Park filming the Civil War scenes. There's nobody there. the The bridge is totally dark, uh, unlocked, so you can still get in. And he gets onto the bridge, and it's dark, except for life-sized cardboard stand-ups of Voyager's regular cast arranged at their stations on the bridge, which I guess they just set up when they're not there anymore. And Robert Picardo, the doctor, who was also on the bridge rehearsing his lines for an upcoming show. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) That's fantastic. Also, Helmboy. Helmboy. Is that what he called... Tom or something. Yeah, that's I what, missed that line. That's what the woman Q called Tom. Oh, <laughs> uh, Helmboy. Helmboy. There is also, there is also uh, Officer Chuckles. Oh yeah, Officer Chuckles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I did have one qualm with Janeway. Oh, mm-hmm. how dare you? Mm-hmm. How fucking a, dare you, a Nathan? Bold statement here. Mm-hmm. She told Q, I wouldn't dream of having kids with someone I didn't love, much less give up the child to the continuum. Uh, You already did that, Catherine. (laughs) You had lizard children (laughs) with one of your crew members and you left them on a planet alone, Catherine. (laughs) Yeah, that did happen. But no one wants to remember that that happened. (laughs) I'm okay with them just pretending Mm -hmm. that it 
you know, didn't happen. Mm -hmm. I liked the part when Q said that he'd been single for billions of years because it was relatable. (laughs) (laughs) I also genuinely thought it was really funny when he said when she's like, why don't you just have (laughs) have a baby with the other lady Q that you're like in a relationship with or whatever? And he's like, I don't even know how it would work. I'm an idea man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It just was so stupid and funny. I just liked that part. That whole scene for me was like, it was just like so many like shitty guys who mm-hmm. just don't want to pull their, I, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, yep. Man, I hate this boy. God, I hope they do something good with him with Picard. I mean, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed that something cool happens with him because like we said, there's potential there that obviously was being missed in 90s Star Trek. But yeah. Yeah. Who knows? All right. Should yeah. we get into the meat of this this episode now? Yeah, man. Let's no one do wanted to talk about the just so such a spicy sex scene. <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh no, I we do have something to, to say about the, that. Actually, the full uncut sex scene <laughs> that they put into a Star Trek show. Yeah, I just saw the Memory Alpha article about that too. No. It's, oh, they they talk about how it's the first uncut sex scene, uncensored sex scene <laughs> in a Star Trek show. The funniest part about that to me was when Janeway was like, okay, well, I'll leave you alone. And he's like, oh, what, you don't want to watch? And then she's in the background and she's like, Like, okay, actually, yeah, I do. Actually, I do want to see. (laughs) Yeah, she's a scientist. Yeah, she's just, just the way that she played that was so funny Uh because she just was like, maybe I should, no, I'm going to look. I'm watching this happen. Uh, There was that scene where they're back in that weird, like, Grecian holodeck program. Um, and they're doing yeah. like guy talk out there and mm-hmm. I noticed in the background they still had all the extras from the previous episode where they showed up including that one just, just super shredded guy and I noticed <laughs> in, in the background him walking with an, one of the, the, the woman crew members uh, with her mm-hmm. arm around his waist she's like yep this is my guy for the day like, yeah, get a girl go for it <laughs> alright shall we talk adventure time mm-hmm. yes two honestly I thought Pretty basic episodes. Uh, this week, we also watched Adventure Time Season 4, Episode 25, I Remember You. Ice King and Marceline create a song, and Marceline tries to get the Ice King to remember who he really is. And Season 4, Episode 26, The Lich. Finn has an ominous dream about The Lich, voiced by Ron Perlman, and sets off with Jake to warn Billy, voiced by Lou Ferrigno. Um, all I want in life is for someone to call me a cute little dummy. <laughs> Why Y'all did cut my fry. <laughs> this first episode fucked me up. Yeah, it it fucked me up so bad. A lot, but so but. before we get into it, I just want to share my experience with these episodes. So they aired a week apart, but because of my schedule at the time, I watched them back to back, and it was very upsetting to see them just straight up like this. Mm. So, like how we watched them too. Y- yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I had no knowledge about what was coming. Like, there was nothing coming next. I didn't know there were going to be more seasons or anything. Oh, uh, sure. Okay. I was going to say, like, we still, we, you're saying things that are very <laughs> true to us. We don't have knowledge of what's coming next. If I remember right, at the time, they hadn't announced if they were renewing the show or not. So it's just like, are these, like, the last two episodes we're ever going to get? Because these kind of feel Is like they're, like... the end of the season? <laughs> yeah. yeah right? That's the end of season, the season four. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah, these two wild episodes, Ben... Go. JT's accent. Uh, JT yeah. Dachshund did come back. Yeah, oh, he you did? did fucking lie to us. He was mentioned very early on in this episode. That yeah, went he's right like, by JT Dachshund says ladies are drawn to bros with tortured pasts or whatever. <laughs> Which is true if my Bioware game romances are any indication. <laughs> I just, I, I love JT Dachshund as a character. Yes. Yeah, the fact that they did an episode about just how the Ice King has Alzheimer's, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I wanted to see what everyone's read on that was. That's definitely what, whether the intent was that or not, but, like, that is definitely the feeling that it gives. Yeah. Just this, like, feeling her sympathy for this person that obviously has no recollection of her or who he was and trying to process that and dealing with the 
grief of seeing them going through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, I was I'd say more than just sympathy, like true love for this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She obviously adores him and is so concerned yeah. that like he just can't remember anything about his past and about what he has done and who he has been. It's so sad. It's it's one of it's one of those things that like this is just one of those stories that like obviously hits for so many people mm-hmm. because like a lot of people especially now with how how many people we see in their el- elder years experiencing this and going through this like having to talk to a family member and not have them remember who you are even though you love them dearly mm-hmm. is it's just so hard devastating yeah, because it really, like, we went through similar with my grandma where she just started to, when she was starting to decline, like, yeah, kind of losing memories of, you know, who people are or, like, the fact that they're, like, trying to help. So there was a lot of, like, lashing out and, like, there was aspects of, like, aggression, which is, like, the opposite of, of who she was. So just mm-hmm. those th- those things that... Well, what was what was talked about in this episode or in the in the song, I guess, of the please forgive me for whatever I do when I don't remember you, like knowing yeah. things like that are like seeing that on the horizon, you know, is it's heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah, I I was so close to crying at the end of this episode. It was ten minutes long, mm-hmm. and it, it like yeah. there's so few things. I'm not really somebody who cries at like media very often and the fact that it got me there in like just 10 minutes whoa man Mm -hmm. i think it did a really good job of not only really expressing what it's like if you are if if, for the people who love the person who has alzheimer's but also for the person themselves which is i think we can't really know exactly what it's like but it, it gives you so much empathy for what it must feel like to to not understand your world around you, to just feel so disconnected from it and not like he it does an interesting job recontextualizing him, like wanting princesses to love him with him, just not understanding why his behavior is so terrible because like he can't. Mm-hmm. Right. And then how much pain that causes himself, of course, and Marceline as well. So this was interesting, too, because we see Ice King give her that stuffed bear. Um, yeah right mm-hmm. which simon we, you see simon give it to her yes yes um which you know we've seen previously in the uh episode where finn goes into marceline's memory which was presumably after oh, ice king right. had lost his mind you know to to the crown because yeah she had the bear at that point well it's somewhere in between when marceline and simon met and then Hambo, where they are now. Mm-hmm. So Hambo, yes, man. So I don't want you to give us any more explanation, Andrew. But the, like, do we see any more of that time of like Marceline and Simon together, or is this like, yeah, okay, yeah? You wind up actually seeing quite a bit more of it. Um, and uh, the thing that I think is so effective about this episode is that you don't need to see any more to understand the weight and gravity of what their relationship was actually like. Like no, all it no, takes no, no. is those the, the, the two seconds at the end of the episode to fully get what it's like, but they do flesh it out quite. You see a lot more of it. That, that imagery of Marceline, like alone in, in that city, like that bombed out city, just crying in the yeah. middle of there. And then, Simon running to a toy shop that's broken open and taking a a toy bear to like give to her to comfort this child like yeah it it just says so much in so many ways like obviously Marceline has already been like ignored like abandoned by her parents mostly abandoned by her parents at this point like she obviously feels alone and then we have Simon who sees a child there and like the first thing he does he doesn't he's not he's not thinking about his safety there he because he's not like worrying about that he's worrying about like how do i comfort this child how would i comfort her what can i do to help her so it seems like that's something that's going to be it it feels like it's almost like she he was her her father figure in lieu of her actual father for a lot of a lot of this time which holy shit adds another layer to it it's going to be really interesting to see Mm -hmm. well it's interesting too with 
the like in the beginning of the episode when he first goes to Marceline's house, she talks about like the fact that he like she's like, why do you always come here? Like if you don't remember, you know who I am or like who you are like. And I think there is aspects of that too, where it's like with if we're still going with with the Alzheimer's parallel, like there are those memories still buried. So like there are things like that where it's just like the things like music or like other sense memories or just like familiarity that yeah draws people there even if they don't have the full memory so it is an interesting thing that they called that out too like this repeated returning to marceline's house yeah i I actually want to talk about that so i also felt this was a uh an analogy for alzheimer's the reviewer for the av club at this time of adventure zone oliver sava uh saw it as a bipolar thing time what did i say you said zone Oh God! <laughs> Thank you. Um, and uh, he he saw it as a, a metaphor for for bipolar disorder, and I I think it sort of comes down to quibbles. But the music stuff was really interesting because, like with people with Parkinson's, people with Alzheimer's can respond really positively to music, and sort of mm-hmm. even if their functional day to day living is really deteriorated, they can still do things like play music, play piano, mm-hmm. play instruments they they've learned before something about that is a little bit different and i that that was one of the things that really connected the dots for me in this one like Mm -hmm. it's not just that the crown has changed him it's that it's like it's taking over and it's taking away in a permanent way from him right what's so sad about it is it be like if you really read it as a metaphor for alzheimer's it's that this is a permanent irreversible change and Mm -hmm. all they're ever going to have are these moments these brief moments together uh, they have, where they have to spend time together in a memory on like, like devastating yeah well it's kind of like the beautiful thing about this like the the way they present this is like it really doesn't like there isn't a direct tie to a particular mental illness so people see right. their own experience through it and the you know how it's affected you know relationships mm-hmm. in their life and i think mm-hmm. Alzheimer's is just a, a common enough one where it feels relatable to, you know, a, a lot of people. So that comparison is drawn. But I think the abstract nature of what's happening to Ice King kind of, you know, can draw those similarities between yeah. a, a lot of different types of mental illness. Abstract is the right word for it. Because I think what what makes Alzheimer's and stories like this so relatable is that they be, they're really, they're, they're, What's so scary about Alzheimer's is that you lose yourself because once you get to a certain point in the disease, it sort of stops becoming scary because you're aware you, you, you no longer are aware of what's happening to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's only terrifying when it starts or, or if you are staring down the barrel of it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just sort of this fundamental fear we all have of losing ourselves, losing our identities. Um, and so like, they don't have to, to call out a disease by name here. They can just tap into that fear of, of, of loss of who you were, who you want to be. And knowing as Simon did that you are going to lose yourself to the power of, or you're going to lose yourself to this no matter what you do. And, and how it will affect the people around you. Right. And in his case, it's especially tragic because he's doing it to try to help somebody else. He knows what's going to mm-hmm. happen. And he, he has he feels like he has no other choice than, than to, to do it. It's 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 such good like storytelling on the hands of like the adventure time team as well like even if even if the storytelling is based off of like the way they storyboard things beforehand and they may i don't know if they've had like this kind of thing planned for a super long time at this point but like we go from to to go from like having ice king be this insane character that's just like this kind of comical villain and then mm-hmm. oh he's just this weirdo weirdo guy that's just kind of a nuisance and then we see like Finn put on the crown for a moment and see the horrors that Ice King sees in the world mm-hmm. and then we start to see the history of like what Ice King was like the first time like when the fir- the, the like we start to see Simon the first time and then we we're seeing like how good Simon actually was and like now now we're seeing like how tragic Simon's fall actually was as well. It's it's we've come such a long way from like being annoyed by Ice King and 
I'm interested to see what what else will come from this kind of a thing. I'm going to bring it back. We're going to go on a little journey, so bear with me as we go here. There's a great podcast called Dungeons and Daddies, and they publish, along with their episodes, an up, the, a, a commentary on what they recorded. And because a lot of the, the people on it are writers, they often find themselves talking about the nature of doing an improv series like this and how it leads to these sort of these spontaneous moments that you, you can't plan out, right? You can't control the roll of a dice. You don't know how it's going to impact the character, how it's going to impact the story. And I think that because Adventure Time is a boarded series with a showrunner who has a pretty light hand and it mostly comes down to what the individual artists want to do, it winds up functioning kind of like an, an improvised D&D podcast like that where like it, it, you are basing your next episode the episode that you're writing on what some artists own perceptions of that character were so like whatever Finn was like two episodes or four episodes ago is what you are working with when you write your episode and so you get like these really you don't it's everyone sort of working just like looking what their episode into the future and not planning anything out any further and then looking back at the entire history of things that have been built up over time i think that creates these really unique opportunities for them to like to tell these stories about Ice King because he could have just been a crazy guy. But the minute somebody was like, actually, I want to see like, is there more going on underneath him and just tell a slightly more nuanced story about him that like cracks mm-hmm. it open for everybody else to do it. And I don't know if that's something you can plan really, or if you mm-hmm. could plan it, if it would feel quite as, uh, as satisfying by the time you get to something like this. Yeah. I feel like it's one of those things where it's just like that idea has to like grow and gain legs like i feel like just what we saw in season one and even some into season two it was just like we're making a silly cartoon and then they like started to really see like what they could do with it yeah it feels different to me too than just like in a lot of tv shows the first season like everyone's sort of finding their sea legs and in the second or third they really figure out like who the characters are and everybody gets into a jive and it, it, it sort of comes together like uh parks and recreation is like the the ur example of that for me mm-hmm. It feels a little bit different with Adventure Time because, like, at any point, someone could come in and just tell a totally off-the-wall story about a character, about one of the main characters, and that just becomes part of the mm-hmm. canon of the show. And it, it is like rolling a nat one or a, a, a critical 20 or something like that in a D&D podcast and then just kind of having to roll with it. If somebody comes mm-hmm. in and does something totally wild, that's just that's part of it now and future artists have to work with that. Yeah. Well, and it's just when they have that base to work off of, like, right. We have all these characters from, you know, season one, season two. And then it's like, okay, I have a really good pitch for this branch of a story that works for this character that could have just stayed there and been isolated. Right. One episode. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things I love about adventure time. It really excels that kind of thing. There is an episode coming up late in the next season. Uh, that goes back to a character who could have been a one-off and tells a really small story that is like really satisfying. And I think it it only could be done in adventure time, both because of the length of the episodes and because of what you said, it's quality of like finding those little moments and being able to expand on them. All right. What's your, what's your ice King theory? I don't want to, I don't want to break you if I get it correct. I won't say anything. I don't want, I don't want you to, to crack. (laughs) Okay, I will tell you this. There is a 0% chance you will guess what goes on with the Ice King. I am Nate, Nate is the that. puzzle master, so I don't know about that. I am. He's fantastic at figuring these things out. I am almost certainly wrong, but at this point, from what I know, from what we've seen so far, I think the tipping point for for Ice King in losing his sanity comes from like a big moment of protecting Marceline being that like either like ending the war or actually like creating ooh on top of the you know rubble of (laughs) what was there before because we've seen like underground was like all previous wartime area when they go down the well so that's my that's my off the wall theory is that it's it's one of those two things and his giving in to the crown for the power necessary to do something massive like that you know was was that tipping point for him i could see that yeah yeah that is that is the thing that could be (laughs) but probably is it 
<laughs> All I will say is that there are, oh, how many seasons? There are, I think there's six more seasons of Adventure Time. There's a lot of ground this show covers in the meantime. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what they're going to do to the characters in that, in that time as well. The cool thing about Adventure Time lasting as long as it did, and because it's so short, you get these seasons with many more episodes, um, is they have a lot of ground to explore a lot of different things. And so you, there, there's just there's some, some wacky stuff, and there's some stuff like this, and it just goes kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. So speaking of all over the place, how did you all feel about the second episode we watched? Yeah, that, one, that was wild. <laughs> I've been waiting, like sitting on my hands waiting for them to bring the glitch back. Yeah. I was really grossed out when they stole Lumpy Space Princess's <laughs> that was thing. So upsetting. <laughs> yeah, that whole sequence was really something. The, it's, and then the noises that came with it it was unpleasant the faces yep. that like they were making as they were pulling out that gem it, that is what I felt too it was just like ugh. <laughs> ugh. there was that one princess who had like the giant ring like embedded in her head mm-hmm. uh-huh. um, that one that one really got to me for some reason this time like is her whole head pierced what's going on with that <laughs> mm-hmm. The way that they like tugged it and it just did not move at all. Yeah, it just moved her head with it. Yeah. Is her, really, is her head yeah. like a giant, like, are those all like little fingers that were holding on to it? Just like uh, really yeah. grabbing at that ring? Ugh, I really don't like it. I don't want to see the fMRI scan of this one. Nope. It's just a big tooth like a narwhal. Oh, <laughs> no. Also, was that a fetus princess at one point? Uh, um, yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, wow. she's embryo princess. Embryo princess. Okay. <laughs> I just want to say I know that it was explained later that the date, the number on the back of the book, was not actually a date. Uh huh. But the date, if it is a date, is Friday. <laughs> so <Whoa! laughs> this Friday. Whoa! Yes. Well, that would have been three days ago when you listened to this. Eight thirteen twenty one. Well. <laughs> If, Friday the 13th. If we all have robot arms and noses, you know why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I did not like Jake's gross gem pouch on the top of his head. Oh, it's I love that. I thought that was hilarious. Gross. That whole it's sequence so was so gross. weird. I, I loved the when he like moved the that with his hand. Like he put his <laughs> hand up to the like the gem pouch and then just moved <laughs> the entire pouch with his hand. Uh-huh. And then moved his face to the yes! pouch. Uh-huh. That was so funny. I love any time gonna... they they make like Jake's shape change and get really weird like that. Yeah, <laughs> I love how the, how fast and loose they play with it. It's just there are no rules to Jake. There, he can do yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's borderline body horror. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you mean borderline? <laughs> there are way too many times that it just straight up goes way over that (laughs) so i found it like pretty ironic i don't know if this was intentional by them but that it was billy that was the one that was possessed here and tricking finn into fundamentally doing heroics when billy's whole thing was like i'm not doing this anymore because Mm. it always goes wrong Mm -hmm. and then he was revealed to be evil at the end too Mm mm-hmm I think that had to have been on purpose, at least personally. Like that, it feels like it's too. It, that is like the exact kind of like turn that you would want to have as like a twist. Mm-hmm. It feels like, at least now, but right because it could have been anyone. It could have been a new yeah. character. It could have been you know. So it 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 felt intentional that it was Billy. Is Billy the real Billy dead, or was he possessed, or? Was it like a shape shifting thing that happened? I feel like it was just that he was possessed because we've seen. My theory is that because we've seen the snail since he was yeah. unpossessed. <laughs> right. But it was just the snail's eyes. Like they tore off half of Billy's face and the lich was inside. That's also true. Yeah, he's wearing him like a skin suit. Uh, yeah. Yep. He sure was it, gross. <laughs> it feels like this was like a replacement Billy. Yeah. A paper mache Billy. Yeah. <laughs> on top of the lich. Exactly. 
Man, paper mache. What an interesting choice of words to use to describe the thin veneer of heroism that surrounds a core of evil. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you hit a really interesting point there, Nathan. I th- one of the tensions in the show is like, what is the nature of heroism? Like, is it, do the ends justify the means? Is it okay to, to be violent or to cause harm if it serves a greater good? And I think that as the show is maturing and as we, as represented by this episode, we sort of have reached this critical point where it's sort of saying no, right? Like oftentimes you will do something that seems right to you, but to everyone else is so clearly harmful. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like heroism trying to be a hero trying to 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 go out and actively do heroic things can lead to much more harm than good Mm -hmm. the the pursuit of heroism versus the just vocation of it yeah i don't know it's yeah it's a weird line yeah or a weird threshold i don't know I mean, they say the road to hell is paid with good intentions, and I feel like this exactly is that situation, right? Like mm-hmm. by trying to to conquer the the ultimate evil, you wind up actually making it much worse because you don't consider about how the things you are doing impact everyone around you. Mm-hmm. Like, what if Finn and Jake had actually gone to all the princesses and and got their advice or got them to come with and provide like to help him defeat the lich or do whatever they needed to do, right? And as mm-hmm. opposed to like that really upsetting sequence, stealing stuff from Princess Bubblegum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking what was she of, doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this goes back to my so my claim that PB is like actually evil. Like she it has little immoral. sentient things that she cut the limbs off of and put mm-hmm. onto other things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what the fuck, PB? I mean, at least they seemed happy about it. They, they weren't feeling happy. pain, especially the cartwheel one. Yeah, he seemed like he was having a great time. <laughs> Yeah, I really wondered about that. The moment where she picks it up and then cuts its legs off, I was like, <gasps> Yeah, I, and just, I, I, I was just waiting for something terrible to happen when I saw that part yep. start, because I was just like, she's up to something, obviously. Well, and the pacing of it, too, where it's just yep. like these long pauses between yeah. like the thinking of like... She's like observing and then... Really so, considering it and yeah. then... Which yeah, one I am know, I going to mutilate next? Yeah, so something about those pauses just made it so much more sinister. Yeah. Sinister is the term I would use to describe the tone of this episode at large. Mm-hmm. Which is it's a, also the word that I would use to describe Princess Bubblegum at large. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was just kind of blown away that they struck such a dark tone on what is ostensibly a kid's show. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That sequence where like the Billy Lich is crawling on all fours towards Finn in the dark is like legitimately scary and upsetting. I had goosebumps watching that. I really did not like that. I know because this was one of those things where it's like starting out. I was like, oh, maybe I'll like, you know, some of these like I can sit down with Bjorn or whatever, like in that season one. And uh-huh. then as it progressed, I'm like, we're nope. Uh-uh. Too scary. Yeah. Too, yeah. too much. Scary. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> At this point in the show, how old is Jake supposed to be? Or not Jake, Finn, I guess. I think 10, uh, isn't it? Is he, yes, I thought he was like, like 12 13? or 13. 12? I thought he was like a teenager by now. Maybe. I don't. Mm. I, think I feel like get, PB was like went back to like 13, but I thought he was younger still then. I think we get a, a, a an actual number on it in, a, in an upcoming episode. Okay. The beginning of the series, he was 12 years old. Yeah, okay. And then I think by the end, he's like explicitly stated as like 14 or 15. But this episode ends, and you really realize how much Finn's character design leans on him not having a nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was weird mm-hmm. to see that. Yeah. yeah. Very strange. Yeah, they end up going through the portal and through like the multiverse. <laughs> so yep. some like weird character design. Okay, but do you know what? I'm gonna jump straight to connections here. Okay. Wait, what the you mean a grable? A grable. They're in the Delta Quadrant. They're in the big they're in the beginning of season uh-huh. episode one of Voyager. Uh-huh. At the yeah. farm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm, yeah. Act- so that's actually not the grable that I was gonna go with. Uh but I will I will do my grable once we are done actually talking about the rest of the episodes. <laughs> I think the most upsetting thing about the end for me and what made me the most like mad that this was the cliffhanger was just regular fucking dog Jake. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's really upsetting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, when he does regular dog shit in the rest of the series so far, I was like, haha, that's funny. He is a dog, so that makes sense. <laughs> and then this one, he doesn't fucking talk and just starts mm-hmm. barking. Yeah. And running like a normal dog. On all yeah. fours? Yeah, yeah. Don't like that. Yeah. What is wrong? Yeah, it's bad. Is he is he unstretchy too? Is he just dog? He I think we have to like assume so. I think we're at this point have to assume that. I mean, it seems like all rules are broken. These are not the Finn and Jake we know. Yeah. So our actor fact for the episode uh, has to do with that very yes. end. Uh, so Jake's or Finn's mom that yells out out I think to it's him. Jake's voice actor. Not Jake's voice actor. Yeah, Jake's voice actor. <laughs> John DiMaggio. You may have known him. Adventure time. <laughs> it took 52 Drama. episodes. What we got there. Uh, no, so the the actress who plays uh, Finn's mom is Ming-Na Wen, oh. who uh, kind of <laughs> big deal. Uh-huh. She was she was Mulan. She's been she's been oh, so many things like. Man- Mandalorian, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She was in the Street Fighter movie as Chun-Li. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, holy shit, yeah. Ming-Na Wen, yeah. Did you not hear me when I said Ming-Na Wen? <laughs> Didn't recognize the name? I recognized the face. Okay, yeah. Fucking incredible actress. Mm-hmm. And great voice actress. So, hopefully she's in more episodes. I'm I not going to count on that, though. I had no idea she was Mulan. I would imagine she'd have to be in more episodes if they're going to explain what happened. Any of the things that at happened. The end of this episode. Here's the thing, though, Nate. I could imagine a world where they have her do this one line, and then the episodes that happen to explain what's going on in this world never reference Finn's mom again. <laughs> like, th- that just never appears. I could imagine that world. I can imagine that world, too. I'm happy to tell you that she comes back. I'm unhappy to tell you that she gets a whole emotional arc, and it's bad. Mm. Oh. Bad is in, like, quality bad or, like, sad? No, no, no. Buckle buckle up. The next two episodes are real bummers. (laughs) Mm. Mm. We just watched part one of a three-parter, and the next two are tough. Uh Uh-oh. I mean, they're tough in like the weird Adventure Time way, so like they're not gonna like crush you. They're, they're, mm-hmm. We're not talking. We're not, we're we're not, not talking about the, this episode. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking. I remember you here, but they, I, I don't know. I really like them, but they kind of like skeeve me out. Not skeeve. That's they just make me feel weird inside. Mm. Um, I am excited though because we are one. We are uh, next week going to meet my favorite character in Adventure Time. It's fit. It's Finn. It's new Finn. Finn Finn's with a new nose. Finn. Finn with a nose and robot arm. <laughs> oh, I, I'm just so excited to talk about these next two episodes with y'all because there's so much to unpack with these. <laughs> these are some wild ones. Oh, I also don't want to forget uh, Jake turning into a car from early in the episode and just how cute that was. <laughs> <laughs> they have a lot of fun with Jake just turning into things lately. I, I, I'm excited yeah. to see more of that. Mm-hmm. It's definitely Jake is definitely one of those characters that they're just like the artists are like, I'm going to have fun with this character, actually, and just do whatever. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, that was one of the things that was I found really upsetting about this episode, because there's that when Jake is running towards Billy in the woods and PB realizes what's going on and she calls out to, to Finn to stop and he doesn't. And then she calls out to Jake like. And then he like stretches out there, but it's not fast enough. Something about like her like turning to him as her last resort was just really stressful. Mm. No, nobody else felt like that. Uh, the thing that stressed me out was when she cut Finn's face and like the hurt that was on Finn's face. And she was yeah. like, it was an accident. Yeah. But also but, I mean, like he was attacking her. Yeah. How did that happen with the outside of rounded scissors? That's a good question. <laughs> also, I don't know. There's a lot of good questions. And honestly, that also still like that cut was they focused on that cut for way longer than I feel like they should have, which makes me feel like it's going to be important over the next few episodes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Finn and Jake were just straight up villains in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. More henchmen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I feel like henchmen are still villains. Yeah. They're still doing villainy. They're just not the ones in charge. But they didn't know that they were following what the villain was doing. Although they should have figured maybe stealing is bad. I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> this might be bad. 
But they thought it was for good, which I guess probably every henchman thinks that. Uh huh. Every villain thinks they're the hero. And I bring that up just so that Ben, yes, maybe it's important. Maybe there's lots of important things, the significant yeah. symbols that will appear in the future. These were good episodes, guys. Mm hmm. I was really trying to pay attention when Bucko was talking about like the different ways that going so the multiverse fast. the multiverse connects because I feel like that's something they would very easily be able to do over the course of the couple episodes coming up. Mm-hmm. Did you all know that uh, Finn with the Nose briefly appears in the King Worm episode, the one where the worm gives him all the weird dreams? No, and that's mm, upsetting. I didn't notice that he had the extra tall ears on his hat in that one. Yeah, that's what I remember. There's a moment where he's looking in the mirror and he's got a nose on the robot arm. Oh, I think I do remember that now that you say that. Yep. Foreshadowing. A little bit. So there is some some future planning. But it, I honestly, I feel like it could have just been like the artists for this episode were like, hey, that's a cool design. Let's just use yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> the, the facade of foreshadowing. Right. Retrofitting a foreshadowing. Yeah, Retroshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to take this one thing that like some past artists did and we're going to make it important. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah, did you say retroshadowing? Yes. Yeah, retroshadowing, where you take something that someone else did and make it important. Yeah. I think we just invented a new term, folks. It's my, <laughs> my new Hold band on name. One moment. Retroshadowing. Yeah, that's dope. <laughs> yeah, I it'll think a, that uh, it's gonna be my new prog rock band that I'll <laughs> uh, use all of my past uh, diary notes to. That can be the that can be the name of our band that we make when we make all the songs that we make. Yeah, <laughs> retro <laughs> shadowing. EP release. <laughs> <laughs> At this hey, rate, it's gonna be an LP. Our Voyager Time a, EP. I have two in the in the pipeline. You're really cranking out these songs. <laughs> You are. And then I have another one that's about Mass Effect that's not going to be on this podcast. Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, it doesn't yes. go here. It can go. <laughs> I'll, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do with it. But I made it off of a song that's really hard to sing for me. So it probably isn't even going to sound good. But I wrote it. So I had to make it, you know. Awesome. Yeah, I totally get it. Well, folks, do we have any grables from this episode? Other than the one Nate already brought up? Other than the one Nate already brought up, yeah. Yes. The Enchiridion multiverse and the Q continuum both deal with like that kind of like subspace bullshit. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, thanks for taking mine. I, I, that's what I assumed Nate was going to go with earlier on, so. Mm-mm. I have a different one. Wow, you got oh, two? You, well, my, the first <laughs> one wasn't a true connection. That was Save some grapples for the rest of Nate. us. It, I didn't call it a grable because it's not a grable. I see. It, it was. <laughs> it was a it crossover. Was okay. A, <laughs> I'll forgive you. <laughs> wasn't yes, a, a crossover. Real similarity, other than there was a farm. Um, <laughs> but this ties into your opening quote, Andrew, about the constant harassment of the female gender, <laughs> both between Q and the Ice King. <laughs> Yep. Interesting. Yeah, I, I have not made that connection. What about the part where at the end of the Voyager episode, Q took his skin suit off and he was a lich underneath? <laughs> <laughs> did you guys miss that part? I did miss that part. I don't remember. <laughs> it was one of those part. blink and you miss it type of things. <laughs> you know what? I was so checked out from the episode at that point. I'm not surprised. <laughs> well, hamburger suckers, join us next week as we watch Star Trek Voyager Season 3, Episode 12, Macrocosm, and Adventure Time Season 5, Episode 1, Finn the Human, and Episode 2, Jake the Dog. Hmm. I, I'm, that's very ominous that it's just named, <laughs> named their name. I'm yeah, it kind is. of excited about these ones. That's terrifying and fantastic. Um, re- remember to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, tell a friend about the show too. Uh, we don't have a lot of ways to spread the word, so please do that. That would be really helpful to us. Uh, follow us on social media, Twitter at Voyager Time, Facebook Voyager Time, and then email us uh, Voyager Time at gmail.com, whatever you want to, uh, and join our Discord link. The invite is in the show notes. In the meantime, 
say the rest of it. In the meantime, what? (laughs) (laughs) Andrew's officially back, everyone. I just love my favorite part is like Andrew saying in the meantime and then us waiting to see how long it takes Andrew to remember that he has to say the rest of the line. If if or when. Because uh, we all we all know, like the three of us are like, so when's he gonna finish this line, huh? Apparently commas just turned my brain off. <laughs> the comma, a full stop for Andrew. <laughs> In the meantime, we'll just wait for you here. By the mausoleum. With our backs turned and our defenses lowered. Come along.